You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on Christ through the ages, now looking at pastorals. Gracious guide. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Christ Through the Ages, Lesson 17, Christ Our Gracious Guide. In today's lesson, we'll be seeing what we can learn about Jesus Christ through the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles are the letters of Timothy and Titus, and it comes from the Latin word for shepherd, which is pastor. Here we have leaders advising leaders. In this case, Paul giving counsel to his apostolic representatives, uh, his envoys, Timothy and Titus. Good spiritual leadership helps us not only to be saved, to enjoy salvation, but also ultimately to attain to eternal life. But isn't this podcast on Christ, our gracious guide? Absolutely. But leadership is so important in the Bible that there is a connection And godly leadership can make a difference between success and catastrophe. Christ guides us to eternal life by his grace. We begin to live eternal life now. John 17 says that. Even before the age to come, we taste eternal life, Hebrews 6. And yet, it's also future. And I choose this theme because it's reinforced in the five trustworthy sayings of the pastoral epistles. Now, you may not be familiar with that term, the trustworthy sayings. I'll explain that in just a moment. But this podcast is structured around five sayings, and there are only five trustworthy sayings. This is not to imply that the rest of uh, Timothy and Titus are unreliable. Not at all. It's a special phrase. It's a technical term. And if we were going through these five sayings in order— We would begin with 1 Timothy, and then go to Titus, and then 2 Timothy, because most conservative scholars would believe that 2 Timothy is the last of all of Paul's letters. But we're not going through in chronological order. We'll cover the passages in canonical order. And if you've never noticed uh, before the trustworthy sayings, the pattern will be very clear. They're all introduced or summed up in the same way, with the same wording, and it really jumps out at you. Of the five sayings, three are shorter, two are a bit longer. I would like to jump in right now and begin this Lesson 17 on Christ, our gracious guide, and he is our guide to eternal life, if I were having a longer title. And so, 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 17, uh, just to give us a bit of the background here. The Apostle writes, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, in this letter and in this section of 1 Timothy, Paul is talking about grace And so when he shares from his own life, it's not a detour. It's not just a way 
that he's attempting to add color to a dry letter. It's actually not dry at all. He's illustrating the very point he's discussing, which is how Christ coming into the world makes all the difference. And we need to keep the, that, that fact and the personal implications of that fact uh, in the center for godly leadership if we're all going to make it together. And it's a wonderful passage. I mean, he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was a violent man. He was involved in the executions and presumably force or torture of Christian men and women. Read about it in the book of Acts. Yet he was shown mercy. He acted in ignorance and unbelief, and he experienced God's grace powerfully. Let's continue. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Okay, now that's our our signal. This is the first of the five trustworthy sayings. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Okay, I believe that's the scope of the trustworthy saying. Because there are no quotation marks in, marks in the Greek New Testament, it's hard to know always completely. But this one seems pretty easy. Trustworthy saying is, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But he continues, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So he doesn't just give us an adage, you know, a pithy saying. Uh, this is this trustworthy saying is set in the context of theology and personal sharing, and that way we can grab onto it. Always more easy to understand the concrete than the abstract. But I've got to read the next verse too. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And actually that verse 17 is a song I really like to sing. I was singing it on my prayer walk yesterday. Okay. Let's talk about this first saying. You'll notice again, it's preceded by the wording, trustworthy saying. Here's a trustworthy saying. And the entrance of Christ into the world ties in very nicely to lesson two in our series, and also more indirectly into lesson one. We learn much about Christ, Christ's patience. In fact, Paul mentions Christ's immense patience. That's something he had experienced. And as we see in verse 17, uh, and interestingly, king, eternal, immortal, invisible, God, is that referring to the Father? Or maybe referring to Jesus? And scholars don't know. And some would say both. Or the line between the Father and the Son seems rather clear. Or the line between the, uh, God and the Son seems very thin here. Um, the way I read it is that he's talking about Jesus Christ, who is our God and Savior, as, as we have in, in Titus. Paul exemplifies spirituality. He's humble. He appreciates grace. And though he was a man who really meant business, a strong character, a powerful leader, he had a soft heart. And from his own sufferings and from knowing Christ, this high-powered apostle knew patience, personally knew it, really understood it. And I envision him, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I envision Paul as a gentle person, a patient person, one who's being transformed into the image of Christ. I really love the way commentator William Mounts uh, 
shares about this, this passage. Speaking of Paul, the triad of blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent person was obliterated by the triad of mercy, faith, and love that Paul now possesses through his relationship with Christ. So Paul has been transformed, and we can too. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Notice the emphasis on eternal life. You know, as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. And then that, and that last verse we read, now to the king, eternal. So with this emphasis on eternal life, and all of the five sayings are tied to life, to eternal life. This comes from God. We're not innately immortal. The New Testament never teaches that. No one's going to live forever apart from Christ. This saying, the first, is worthy of full acceptance. Please make a mental note of that phrase, too. Let's go on to our second. And this is found also in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. It's a passage on church leadership. Well, how does that tie into Christ being our gracious guide to eternal life? Well, it underscores how vital it is to have spiritual leadership. And in the verses that follow 1 Timothy 3.1, we see it's all about character. That's what it means to really know the Lord. Character visible to insiders and outsiders alike. The church leader must be able to teach. Let's never relegate teaching to the, the so-called teaching ministry, although that's valuable. All leaders in the church, all leaders over the flock, have a pastoral responsibility to be able to teach, to communicate God's word and God's nature to the flock. Let's emphasize what the Bible emphasizes. The third trustworthy saying is in the next chapter. I will read 1 Timothy 4, 8 to 11. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That's why we labor and strive, because we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Once again, we have a passage that is stressed. The spiritual truth is underlined, emphasized, underscored, illuminated, stressed, highlighted. Describe it the way you will. It means it's important. It means pay attention. You know, godliness has value for the present life and the life to come. The two ages, the present world and the world to come. The two ages we discussed, the beginning of our series. And notice again, he says it's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Now, of the five trustworthy sayings, two are accompanied by that wording. Full acceptance, which, well, we should pay attention to all of them, but but we should really pay attention here. And what's he saying about physical training, about physical fitness? That's valuable. You know, it's funny because I often hear, um, especially men's classes, uh, 1 Timothy 4.8 being uh, held up as a verse showing the importance of physical fitness. Now, I think you can argue for that biblically, but that verse almost says the opposite. You know, physical training is a value only for the present life. But for what really endures, what really counts, is godliness. 
This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That's why we labor and strive. It's worth getting behind. Number four, 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13. This is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is an ancient Christian hymn that Paul is quoting. In fact, there's pretty good evidence that all five of these sayings were known already to Paul's uh, readers or listeners, probably the church at Ephesus. Since 1 Timothy is written to Ephesus, 2 Timothy may also be. And it, they were known to him, uh, to them, and so he quotes them and he expands on them. Now, I want to uh, back up just a little bit. In our first saying, uh, in 1 Timothy 1, it talks about those who will receive eternal life. The second saying implies it because the character of the church leader has eternal consequences. In the third saying, promise for the physical, uh, for the present life and the life to come. In the fourth, if we die with him, we will also live with him. See this emphasis on life and living, and we'll see that also in our fifth saying. So it's an ancient Christian hymn. This ties in really well, I think, to our lesson on Romans and Galatians, baptized into death. And nearly all commentators would interpret verse 11, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. Uh, they would interpret that as a baptism passage. In the New Testament, it talks about dying. Now, there's a time in the past where we died. Death is connected with baptism. But it's not enough just to be baptized. We have to endure. You may have noticed the four ifs. If we died with him, if we endure, if we disown him, if we are faithless, God won't go back on his word. and We mustn't go back on ours. No matter how hard it gets, things in life or family or marriage or even the church where things can be hard sometimes, society, uh, the financial climate. We, we don't go back on our word. We made Jesus Lord. He is Christ. He's the cosmic Christ. He's attested to in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's ushered in the age to come, which we're already experiencing now. We don't go back. It's a beautiful uh, hymn. I, perhaps someone has uh, converted it into a modern hymn, and maybe it's sung in a congregation somewhere. I'm just not aware of it. Although we already live with him, the ultimate life lies in the future. It's not that we're waiting to really know God, but it's going to be different. Uh, all that will be has not yet become. Though we already live with him, the ultimate life lies in the future. Okay? It's like I, you know, there was this girl I liked, and we built a relationship for two and a half years. And I think we had a great relationship. But the marriage had not yet come. <laughs> then we married. So the ultimate life was. But it wasn't just the warm-up period as we were getting to know each other, uh, sharing dinner with other Christians, writing each other letters and notes. Well, that was great. Sometimes going jogging together, uh, all kinds of things. But it's the 30 years of marriage that followed that where I've experienced the ultimate meaning of marriage is lived out. And so there's a future aspect to our life. Okay, let's go to the last passage, Titus 3, 4 to 8. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, 
He saved us. Oh, let me just pause there. Hope I'm not being too distracting. God, our Savior, um, earlier in Titus, in uh, Titus 2.11, following, God, our Savior, is Jesus Christ. But there's a very, um, there's an equivalence, a kind of a going back and forth between God and Christ. They're very, uh, we don't have to distinguish them in all cases because Christ is God in nature. Okay. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Okay, that's the beginning of this saying. He saved us not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Okay, so he gives the saying first, and then he tells us what it is, and then he follows on. I want you to stress these things so those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what's good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. You know, Paul, everything he shares in the pastoral epistles is beautiful and valuable. It's of some relevance, direct or indirect, to all Christians and certainly to all who have leadership responsibility. But some things are, in a way, uh, more summing up uh, they're more like uh, uh, concentrated, distilled essences of what it's all about. And while we should focus on the entire Bible, we should especially look at places where the Scripture itself seems to highlight its its very words. You know, pay attention to this. This is trustworthy. Emphasize this. Stress this. Because I, I say that because some preachers, and also in the teaching ministry, some teachers emphasize things that are they're either just not that important, sometimes they're a bit bizarre, uh, novelty for the sake of novelty, and, and that's not right. Of course, we should teach all the truth, but we should emphasize the things that Jesus Christ emphasized, and I think that's what Paul was doing. This is a passage on grace. Again, ties in very nicely with 2.11 to 14. Salvation is past, present, and future. In the past, it says we're washed, baptized, we were saved. As a result, we are saved, present. Yet eternal life is future. There are conditions. There always are. These are the five trustworthy sayings. These things are all to be emphasized. What are those five sayings? One, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Two, whoever desires to be an overseer. Jesus is an overseer in one sense. Whoever desires that desires a noble task. See the, the connection between leadership and salvation. Godliness has value for the present life and the life to come. If we endure, we will reign with him. And five, he saved us so that we would have the hope of eternal life. Notice the connections. Think at some depth about the things that the Spirit in the Word has emphasized. Because Christ is leading us to eternal life. He is our gracious guide. Do you believe it? You should. It's worthy of full acceptance. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's series on Christ through the ages. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry.